Welcome to the Mommy Oyoyo podcast, a safe space for honest, transparent, authentic, and real-life gist about being a mother, African style. I am your hostess with the mostess, Barry Dakara, and I'm here to share the unique experiences of being an African mother. Thank you for tuning in. Oya, drop the kids, get comfy, and make we start! Hello, 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 and welcome to this 44th episode of the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. What's up, my beautiful mommies Oyoyo, and my handsome daddies Oyoyo, and my aunties and uncles Oyoyo. How are all of you doing? I hope you're all doing great. Huh. Before I get into the episode, I just kind of need to share some things. Number one, thank you to everyone who showed me love on the first anniversary of the Mommy Oyoyo podcast. I was so overwhelmed with the well wishes and the congratulatory messages and the prayers and everything. Thank you guys so much. I really, really appreciate every single one of them. I appreciate every single one of you. I also want to thank you for the birthday messages that you sent, the messages and the prayers that you guys sent uh, Coco's way. Um, as I mentioned last week, Coco is now a an official three-nager. And um, I posted some pictures from our photo shoot that we had on my Berry Dakara Instagram handle and um, also on my blog, www.berrydakara.com. I shared some photos and the love and well wishes and prayers towards her were so amazing. Thank you guys so much. Um, I also had a birthday party for her on Saturday and I shared some of the pictures on the Mommy Oyoyo um, Instagram handle, which of course is M-O-M-M-Y-O-Y-O-Y-O. And uh, we had a paint and craft party for her and um, her cousins and a couple of neighbors' kids that we've been mixing with during the, you know, Rona and stuff. But, um, yeah, she had such a wonderful time at the party. The kids had a nice time at the party. And just last weekend was a nice weekend of celebration. And then, of course, it was Father's Day, which um, she spent a couple of hours with her dad, which uh, she enjoyed. So that was good. And happy belated Father's Day to all the dads that are listening as well. Um, I pray for wisdom and God's guidance as you parent your children. And I pray that God will cover you with a spirit that will make you actively engage and actively parent your children in the name of Jesus. That's my prayer for you. Amen. On another note, this chick is exhausted. I am so tired, guys. Um, Coco wakes up almost every night and comes to my bedroom. And it's so, like, uh, this weekend, it's past the mental or emotional exhaustion. Now I am just physically, physically tired. And... Uh, because of that, I am planning to take a break. I haven't decided if I'll take a break after today's episode for like the month of July 
or if I will just post up, you know, um, next week's episode, which will be number 45, that might sound a little bit better. Um, put up the episode, episode 45, and then take a break. I haven't decided yet. I'll let you guys know, I guess, on Instagram. But I need to take a break. I am so tired. I feel like I always tell you guys to make sure, you know, you take care of yourselves and, you know, all about self-care and all that good stuff. And then I'm not doing the same thing myself. I need a break. So, um, like I said, I will post online um, when I decide when that break is going to uh, start. But for now, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe the whole month of July, like nothing on the podcast, nothing on social media. Like I just, I want to sleep. I want to sleep. I want to go on vacation. I want to go somewhere where nobody knows me. I don't see, I don't want to take my phone. I just want to go somewhere to a nice hotel and just sit in that room and sleep and then have some, you know, nice, strong masseuse just come and rub my body a little bit and, you know, just make me tingle all over, make me relax a little bit (laughs) and just order some room service, order me some drinks go to the spa, whatever, like that, I just want a relaxing vacation, that's what I want in life, Rona, please go away, just go away so I can rest, but uh, yeah, (laughs) Um, thank you for listening to my little rant here, Uh, today's episode features Tammy, Tammy of um, firsttimemom.com, who um she's also a sleep coach as well and in this episode she just talks about her struggle with um hyperemesis gravidarum um when she was pregnant with her son and guys it's such an eye-opening episode i had never heard about the condition until i saw her mention it a couple of years ago and it's like wow um I think that you guys will really enjoy it and um, please feel free to share the episode as well. Share the podcast even. Um, I do need to shout out Somi. Somi um, posted a really, really nice, uh, not a review, but she posted a really nice comment about the previous episode, about episode 43, where she said that she really enjoyed listening to the episode and it seemed, it almost felt like she was right there with us, like me and Mercy having our conversation and she was just sitting in on our conversation. And uh, Sami, thank you so much for your comment and for all the love. Sami always listens to the podcast. Like I don't even need to prompt her, but she always listens to the podcast. So thank you very much, Sami. And um, thank you for your comment as well. I definitely want everyone to feel like, you know, it's not just like you're listening to somebody talk and telling you what to do or whatever. Like I just wanted to feel like, you're in the room with us and you know chilling with us so thank you and now i'm done talking enjoy the episode hi Tammy. hello 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 (laughs) (laughs) how are you i'm good i'm good so happy to be here i am excited and ecstatic to have you here on the mommy oyo podcast it's been a long time coming yeah I know, I know we feel serious that we're going to do this, so. It's weird, though, because, to be honest, I always thought, like, when I have Timmy on, we're going to talk about sleep training. 
that was what mm-hmm. my original thought was. But then yeah. when you shared um, your post about um, hyperemesis gravidarum, I was like, no, I think I want her to talk about that instead. We can talk about Sutrinia another time. But before we get into all of that, please, Timmy, can you introduce yourself and tell the mommy or your audience about who you are, what you do, your side hustles, your work, your family, anything you want to share with us, go ahead. Okay, okay, I'll try not to ramble on too much. So stop me in my tracks if I'm going on and on. But okay, my name is Timmy, um, and I am creator of um, firsttimemom.com, which is why you, Barry, have invited me to this. So thank you. Um, firsttimemom.com is just a sort of platform for new moms. I started it when I had my son three years ago now, three next month. Um, and it was following a really difficult pregnancy where I struggled with hyperemesis. I found that I didn't have many friends who were pregnant at that time to talk to about what I was going through it was a really isolating time for me and obviously we're going to talk a bit more about all about what hyperemesis is um but it was just such an isolating condition um and I felt like I needed a space to share my experiences as a new mom so that was how first time mom came about um in my day job I work in communications and financial services um and yeah I I love it I'm a working mom but I I work part-time so that I have time to balance out you know kind of being mom and we live in the UK with my husband um and so yep limited help same situation as all of us moms in the diaspora you know help wherever we can get it you know where where we don't don't have family around very can you relate yeah Thank you very much for that. Although I should point out though, there are some moms over here that have live-in help, like live-in yeah. and, you know, ladies, if you're listening and you have a live-in learning, you're very, <laughs> very lucky. Very lucky. Very lucky. And obviously all of us moms, it's not a competition either. I feel like, you know, some moms get into this whole you know, how much help do you have and not, you know, it's all hard work. It's all hard work. All of us are doing our best and, you know, yeah. Oh, and also just in terms of my side hustle, now that you mentioned it, obviously I do, um, I work um, with babies and families in terms of sleep. I'm a baby sleep consultant. um, And essentially I just support families who have, you know, sleeping difficulties, um, you know, newborns to age five. And we talk about solutions to get the little one sleeping. We talk about kind of bespoke routines that will work for your family. Yep. So that's kind of, you know, what I do on the side. And that came about from my own sleep deprivation um, with my, with my son till he was about seven months old. And I, got help from a baby sleep consultant which the first time mom.com community shared that existed i didn't even know that was a thing um but um following that i just was so happy with the results i decided to go and train in it and um yeah i've been i've been doing that since so that's it that's me and fun facts Tammy helped me with sleep training coco when she was 18 months mm-hmm. and i remember um, I think it took about five or six days for her to fall asleep on her own and sleep until the following morning. And it was just like, wait, what? Are you still so I can have time to myself like this? Like, I don't have to struggle? And then, unfortunately for me, my mom and grandmother came back from Nigeria and was all, oh, no, but you have to hold the baby to sleep. Oh, no, but you cannot just leave her to cry. Oh, no. And then everything that I had done, all the work I had put in, just yeah. reversed. 
just reverse. My grandmother almost slapped me one night because Coco was crying at midnight. And I'm like, nope, I'm not going there. My grandma was like, eh, you have to go there. I'm like, mama, I am not going anywhere. My grandmother is almost 90 years old. She literally was about to put her hands on. <laughs> and you know, the thing about it though is like, you know, we had discussed because there's obviously different methods, right? You can, it doesn't need to be you just leaving them to cry. Right. Know, but you have to be, you know, understand, give them that opportunity to settle themselves back to sleep, you know. So there's a whole kind of method behind it, obviously. And, you know, right. we don't ever leave them to just be crying and be upset and everything. But listen, as I said to you before, you know, there's always a chance to pick things back up again. It's all about, you know, routine and just being committed to things, you know, for a period of time. And, you know, so whenever you're ready, girl, you know what you got to do and it will all be good. Okay. Yes, we're going to get back there. And I will share with you guys too when I've gone through the sleep retraining for control. <laughs> yeah. All right. So thank you, Timmy, for uh, your introduction. Um, so the main reason why we are having this conversation today is to talk about, you already alluded to it, um, was your experience having hyperemesis, which to be honest, I never had heard about it, I think, until I saw it on your platform on, uh, on Instagram. And guys, it's um, firsttimemom.com mom m-u-m because british um <laughs> and dot com like actually spelled as d-o-t um c-o-m but um i'd never heard about hyperemesis gravidarum until i saw it on your um on your instagram Sorry, my toddler that has just run in has this happened pretty much every single podcast episode not every time but sometimes quite a few times okay sorry about that it looks like it's all fine now okay okay so, um, Sorry. You, would you please share what your experience um, was like having hyperemesis? Again, like I said, um, I never heard about it until I saw it on your platform. And I still didn't quite get it, right? Until, to be honest, I still didn't quite get it until you shared um, that, um, the, the, the film, the sick film. Yes. That to me. Um, I still didn't quite get it until I watched it. I was like, wait, so, like, you literally, like, physically, um, I guess, incapacitated, like, yeah. throwing up and everything. Like, just kind of walk us through what your experience was like, um, how you knew that maybe something was a little bit off, something wasn't quite normal, like, what symptoms you had, um, for how long, if you were admitted in hospital treatment all of that stuff like could you just tell us about it please yes um okay so basically i also was in the same position as in i had never heard of this hyperemesis thing before ever um and you know i got pregnant you know my husband and i um were were trying and you know we you know the timing you know worked out well for us and you know we had the you know we were pregnant and i was you know, we even flew back to Nigeria in like the month of me getting pregnant. We said we would only tell our in-laws, I remember. Um, and when we were at this like family party, I was five weeks at this point. I just suddenly started retching at the dinner table. Like I just, it just suddenly, something just felt wrong. I just felt like I got this wave of sickness and I really needed to puke. I hadn't eaten anything. I was fine normally, but I mean, I knew obviously I was pregnant. I hadn't announced it to anybody but the severity of my retching and, and, you know, me just really needing to run out of the room, it, it kind of now gave it away to some of the family members. So I was a bit like, oh my gosh, okay. 
you know how it is in African households. Everybody was looking around like, ah, what's happening? You know, <laughs> but you know, it was all good. Um, but then I then, um, you know, I just, you know, got back to the house and I was like, you know, I just, I feel so ill. But actually after that, I felt fine again. And then I returned to the UK and then it was around seven weeks. Um, I was on my way to the office one day and I just opened the door and I just fell flat to the ground. It felt like, I don't know, it felt like my head was just like spinning. Like I had like a, like I fainted all of a sudden, you know, it was just like I got, I was overwhelmed with like exhaustion and like fatigue or something. I can't really describe it, but I just fell to the ground from exhaustion. Um, and I just needed to puke. That retching feeling that I had back in Nigeria a couple of weeks before, it came back again. So I went straight to my bathroom. And at that point, I can't actually really remember. I just know that my life changed from that moment on. I was confined to my bed and I was vomiting 20 times a day sometimes um and on average 20 times a day on a good day maybe eight times a day that was a great day for me if I only vomited eight times a day um and you know I was not able to eat I was not able to smell anything like I became so averse to smells and you know I wasn't even up to 12 weeks pregnant so I couldn't announce to my friends what was going on I couldn't you know and at this point I had no idea what was happening to me um, my GPs, even upon visiting them, had not told me I had this condition called hyperemesis at this point. And I think from the sick film, which was a film released um, recently, a documentary on hyperemesis, Gravidarum in the UK, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of women I felt we had in common was this lack of, um, you know, GPs stepping in right in the beginning to let us know this is not normal what you're going through there was it was almost just kind of like yeah women get sick you know have have you tried some ginger have you tried and it's like to tell a hyperemesis sufferer try ginger it's like the worst thing you can possibly say to anyone it's like it's like an offense because it's like this is not a take ginger matter right this is feeling like i'm gonna die i'm feeling like i'm vomiting my insides out i feel like i am so sick i feel like i have malaria to the point of death you will notice as well that a lot of hyperemesis sufferers will describe them feeling like it feels like death okay so and it was from this documentary that i was able to find out why it feels like death actually the the condition um, is what causes there's a sort of um, a gene I without going too scientific there is something in the bloodstream that happens to a person who suffers hyperemesis similar to a person who's going through cancer and that that bit of the bloodstream that's causing the cancer patient to feel nauseous and feel really um, you know sick like deathly that's the same thing that's present in a hyperemesis sufferer essentially mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, you can imagine it, it's, it's that level of suffering. It's that level of, of, of pain at that point. Um, and it was only through, I didn't explain that very well at all, guys, sorry to any of the scientists or the <laughs> healthcare professionals that might be tuning in. Um, and I would say, um, you know, please, you know, watch the, um, sick film. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, I don't know, Barry, maybe you put a link there for people to I refer know. to it. Cause I think it's a great educational um, piece of, um, work for people to see. The only issue I had with it, there wasn't enough BAME representation. We are in 2020. We need more Black representation. Black women go through hyperemesis as well. African women go through hyperemesis as well. Um, and that needs to be, to be told because especially in our community, you know, generally the attitudes that it's met with is just one with, you know, what's going on. I know a friend who 
one said that some family members accused her of witchcraft. That why can, why would you be reacting to this when a child is coming? Why are you being so sick? They didn't understand oh, wow. that, you know. But those are the sort of superstitious elements in Africa. Are you the first, you know, me that I had five children, nothing happened to me, and it's not the same thing. It's a condition. Anyway, guys, I feel like I've gone into it without really even just saying what the condition is. <laughs> so um, there's no real definition for it. It's still something that scientists, researchers are trying to understand. Um, the symptoms of it is what usually is how people describe it. So um, an extreme nauseous, extreme nausea, extreme vomiting, extreme malnutrition, um, um, and you know, sort of a debilitating condition, pregnancy sickness, so it's extreme pregnancy sickness. That's currently the definition. There's still no real understanding behind why it happens. They say it only happens to 1% of women. So presumably a small percentage of women, although it almost feels like as many people as I tell, there's at least one or two people that have experienced it. So I don't know whether it's a case of, again, a lot of misdiagnosis, a lot of people not talking about it. So the numbers not being very reflective of what's actually, um, you know, happening, but it's just what they say, only 1% of women suffer from this. Um, so, like I said, in my position, um, I, you know, was privileged and lucky enough to have a lot of support from my husband. Um, you know, we, you know, we got healthcare, um, you know, prof providers. I was able to, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. I live in the UK, so obviously we've got the benefit of the NHS. Um, and if you guys don't know that it's free healthcare, we have free healthcare in the UK here, if you are, um, I guess, um, a UK citizen. Um, and, you know, for that reason, I was able to be hospitalized quite quickly. That's not the experience of many women who don't have those, you know, that kind of accessibility, for example, to hospital beds. Um, um, I was able to, you know, be put on medication. Um, once a very good GP, a male GP, by the way, was able to spot this. A lot of the female GPs I had were not very empathetic which surprised me i always felt like if you're a female healthcare prof professional maybe you might be more sympathetic to these things but actually i found it wasn't that way through my own experience i'm not saying that's how it always is but it was just it was just one of the observations but when one um you know gp finally spotted what was wrong i got onto medication very quickly thankfully and it was a very test and trial. I was on about 10 different medications um, and I had to keep trying. Any hyperemic sufferer as well will know. It's like today you might be on one that's great. Tomorrow you might be another that's good and it'll work for like two days. Then you need to change it around and then one is making you puke. It was all sorts of things. Another issue was, you know, when you're um, first pregnant, you know, they encourage you to take folic acid, you know, especially in those first 12 weeks. They say that helps to, is this to strengthen the baby? I can't even remember what they say folic acid does, but... It's supposed to be a really good vitamin, obviously, when you're pregnant. But that was one of the things that made me really sick. So I felt a lot of guilt at the time when I wasn't taking the, um, the um, what was it again? I literally just, just mind the folic acid. Um, and, you know, I felt like, oh, I'm depriving my baby of something, um, you know, but I, I just could not do it because it just meant taking that folic acid was another 20, you know, another, you know, 15 minutes of 20 minutes, 20 vomiting, you know, episodes. And it was just like debilitating. I lost so much weight. Um, another thing, I feel like I've been going on and on. This is another thing where, you, where you've gone through trauma. <laughs> when you're given a chance to talk, you just keep going. So if I need to take a breather, please let me know. 
so I'm, I'm actually curious, like, at what point did you get diagnosed with it? At what point did the GP um, tell you that this is what it is? And at yeah. what point were you hospitalized and put on medication? Right. So basically, um, at about, so like I said, you know, I had that fainting episode about seven weeks. You know, I, you know, I felt like for the first, maybe, maybe it wasn't until I was about, 11 weeks pregnant so a few weeks a few good weeks and a few different opinions um later i then got this um diagnosis that it was hyperemesis the timelines are a bit blurry i'll admit um because like i said once i was in this sickness it just felt like nothing else was existing apart from this sickness you know someone described it the other day as a dark tunnel day it's like you can't see anything except from this darkness so to be honest a lot of the conversations that were happening i wasn't able to really talk my husband had to be that advocate for me again this is why i say i was in a fortunate position that i had an advocate there are many women that don't have somebody to be able to talk for you and say you know how you're feeling because even to talk was a stress even to get in the car to go to the hospital you know i it was a physically debilitating condition the issue with work as well then came into that as well. I'm having to now tell my employees who themselves had never heard of it. What was lucky for me is that the condition is known in the UK because Kate Middleton, who's the Duchess of Cambridge. She had it? She has it. She's had it, the three pregnancies. Oh, wow. So that has given it some form of you know what what i mean um you know awareness yeah, right. yeah in the spotlight in, in the uk so because of that i could use that to my empl- my employers and say the kate middleton thing and in fact that became how they started describing it to each other you know tam's got that you know uh, kate middleton thing you know that, that became the you know the the description of it so luckily i mean i personally as a hyperbole sufferer and I, I feel like others you know I, I don't know how they feel about this, but I feel like Kate Middleton could probably do more with her platform to shine even more light on it. We only know that she has it because they announced she has it because she has to disappear for those periods of time. She's not doing public appearances because she is in bed. Obviously, she has hand footing, um, you know, she's got um, everybody at her hand footing and, and, and mouth right. whenever she needs. Um, but that's not to say that it makes the condition any better. Again, just because you are, you know, fortunate enough to have everybody helping you support or not, you are still going through that pain. Your body still feels like it's dying every mm. time. And it's still a very hit and miss with your different forms of medication. So um, some people die from the... Um, condition it becomes so debilitating it becomes life-threatening because so many other things start happening in your body breaking down so right. much yeah because i saw yeah. that you can lose so much um hydration in your body that you need ivs um when i watched the sick film i saw a lady that actually i mean in her pregnancy she lost 50 pounds yes in yes. her pregnancy she lost 50 pounds which is like crazy to imagine yeah, you know, yeah. like i understand that and then there's also um, also the women that feel like, you know what, I just I can't do this anymore. Like, and they choose to terminate their pregnancies because they literally feel like if they continue, they will die. Yes, yes, absolutely. And many women do. And actually, I think that was a great thing that the documentary shed, shed light on this percentage of women who every year, I think it's like a thousand babies that are, they, they terminate, you know, um, every year, um, you know, um, willingly because of the, 
the pain of the of, of, of this hyperemesis and just how badly debilitating it is especially for women who are having it a second time round. for example with one child it's not a condition that i can even see being feasible with other children in the house toddlers you know kids that really rely on us day in day out it feels impossible that you can even manage that um but some you know obviously if you have support it's possible many women do it kate middleton did it three times but also every other many other women as well you know around the world every day have more and more kids you know the the joy and the love of kids you know they, we forget the pain we go through right um back there again so yep um yeah so a lot of women do terminate the pregnancies um it's a very it's a it's a very um difficult one and i I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the dehydration point actually because actually thinking of the scientific scientifics of it dehydration is a huge part of it it's it's what causes the the death is essentially it's that um dehydration think about how when you feel dehydrated that feeling right um and you needing that replenishment you know in your body but you not being able to drink or eat it's it's crazy so like how how long did you did you have your entire pregnancy because i know some people have their entire pregnancies but yeah. um others say that it kind of stops maybe in around the third trimester so like how long were you you know suffering with this condition yeah so i when i had mine till i was about 24 weeks pregnant um so six months pregnant essentially I, mine also came with another condition. Sometimes it does come in tandem with another condition called tyalism, which is um, extreme spit, extreme saliva production, which is not great. Um, so you see maybe <clears throat> some women have to go around with like a bottle. I had to go around with a plastic bottle all the time, spitting, spitting. So again, it was not the most glamorous time of my life. I had to have a spit bucket in my room and, you know, it was really gross. I mean, like, I would be on some forums, you know, like, I think it was, which one was it again? Those mum apps. I can't remember now which one it was I was on, but I would be like talking to, you know, other mums and they're like, oh, I'm really worried. My room stinks. My husband is probably, you know, thinking I'm so gross. And, you know, I would be like, oh my God, I didn't even think about that. And I'll be like upset about that. And it's just little things like, like you know, it's so debilitating and it's so uncomfortable, you know, going around feeling like you, you're gross. You know, you wouldn't be able to shower for weeks. <clears throat> I couldn't brush my teeth for like weeks sometimes. It was because I couldn't even put anything that could, you know, push my gag reflex. Even till now, brushing my teeth feels like, I mean, I have to do it and I do it, but it feels it's not comfortable. The memories and the gagging, I'm trying, you know, I'm still struggling with that. You know, certain smells, I'm still struggling with that. Certain songs, I still can't listen to. Um, I'm traumatized from, from the experience. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Even, okay, well, we'll get to, we'll get to the trauma part and the PTSD <laughs> from, from, from having it. But um, I want to touch on something that you said um, about how some women have to go through it multiple times and how do you manage it with um, when you have other children. And I remember seeing someone's post where she had to be taken away from her child for a few mm -hmm. weeks because just being around her child would make her even sicker while she was pregnant with her second. So yeah, it's really, really crazy. But um, thank you for, for um, letting us know how it was like for you. Um, I do want to talk, again, you've mentioned how some, um, or you mentioned the African, I think the African woman, the, her family members are like, eh, you're a witch, uh, 
why should you be reacting like this to being pregnant? Like, are you the first and everything? So, you know, there, there, there are those people, and I think in African culture too, really, it's just the, uh, what are you feeling like? You're just pregnant. You know, why are you behaving as if you're going to die? Like, are you the first person to get pregnant? And I wonder, like, did you get any of those kinds of um, comments, like any kind of negativity in that way? Um, not to that extreme, not to that, um, you know, kind of level of like, you know, accusation. Um, I did feel that maybe, you know, some people around me, you know, weren't sure how much of it was as bad as I was saying. Um, luckily for me, you know, when the condition started, my husband um, and my, you know, some of my siblings, for example, who were around me could see like how much I was vomiting was there can see someone vomiting multiple at a turn at a go consecutively 20 times <laughs> you yourself you start you know panicking like oh my god is she gonna make it by the time she finishes vomiting um but you know there were people like friends who might be saying things like um oh but have you tried ginger have you tried oh or they'll send me like an article well-meaning but you know not you know, just, you know, ignorant to the condition or of what is actually going on. And I think it makes it much more isolating when it feels like people are making suggestions that, you know, are not helpful and they don't mean to not be helpful because they don't, they just don't know about what you're going through. They're going through a real condition, a real kind of breakdown in your body. It's not, it's not normal what's happening to you. And what's actually happening is a hyperactivity of some kind of hormone in your body compared to other people. Um, so you're, you know, it's, it's the toll on your body. It, it's breaking you down. It's killing you essentially to create another life. Um, it's, it's very, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. But I didn't get it to the, you know, I didn't get the, um, in, but I did feel misunderstood by my GPs and health practitioners till I got the diagnosis. Um, I did feel maybe those around me that might have been well-meaning just didn't know what to do. And the suggestions were hard sometimes to, to, to read because I'm like, no, it's not this. It's not that I need to just, you know, drink some water or, or go outside for fresh air. No, I'm saying I can't get out of bed. I can't open my eyes. I can't. <laughs> so it's just, it was that, you know, it was, um, it was those sorts of things. But I, was, I think I was lucky compared to many people. Wow. Wow. Um, so you, you, let's go back to you saying that there are some things that even now you can't, um, do because it reminds you of that time. Um, like the songs that you can't listen to, um, even brushing your teeth. And I saw someone that, I think someone said that they can't eat specific foods because it reminds them of that time. So there is that PTSD. Yeah. And uh, you and I, while chatting privately, you did mention to me that you were depressed for quite some time. I think that was last year, um, while yes. you were kind of going through um, the memories of everything. So can you yes. just kind of walk us through um, what, 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 what that has been like for you? Um, what the, the, uh, the trauma has, has been like for you? Like, mentally like are you having to to talk to a therapist and just um uh, just kind of walk us through you know the ptsd that you've had and even and if if 
if it has any um, effect on you wanting to have more kids. Because I know some women have chosen, you know, it's, yeah, I can't do this again. Yeah. I just kind of want to know what your own thoughts are. Yes. So, um, okay. So, well, for me, I feel that, you know, it's been... Oh God, that, that was a, that was a long question, Barry. I'm trying to think what, what the first what, what the first part was again. the PTSD that you've had. Okay. Yeah. So yes, no. So so basically, um, last year, okay, the experience of what happened to me last year. Last year, um, I got flu. Just you know, okay. So actually, I'll go back to even when I first um had my child. So after having gone through everything by about thirty you know weeks of my pregnancy, I started feeling better. Tyalism was still there and everything, but um you know I started enjoying the fact that I was going to meet this child finally and started connecting to the child you know around that time as well. And then you know we um and we had him, and when I had him, I was you know just so full of you know, love and adrenaline and you know that like I could do anything. I was looking after him. I'd just gone straight into mother hen mode, you know, from the beginning. And I felt like I was constantly on this high with my child. I started first time mom. I was I was just into the whole thing, you know, and I was like, I can't wait to go again. I kept saying to my mom again, you know, in hindsight and you know, getting to understand my emotions better and understand myself better, you know, through therapy, which I have outside of this trauma, um, this um, PTSD situation. I just have therapy because it's good and I'm a huge advocate for it and I, I need it. Okay. So with, um, you know, but with everything that, you know, was going on at the time, I, I think I've been able to understand that actually a lot of my high was hormonal as well around the time a lot of my oh my god I'm raring to go again I, I you know I want to have another kid straight after six months um of you know my husband was like well you know calm down we've only just had this one um you know give it some time you know let it you know you know let, let let's let's get used to this parent life and you know I was like okay and I was just kind of waiting for him to come around forgetting about what happened to me with hyperemesis it like it was like it never happened almost it did I mean it was of course it did happen it wasn't like it ever happened but it was I couldn't connect to that pain anymore at that point in time and it wasn't until last year when um I just got a typical flu like everybody else does in this country well apart from now I hope there was a coronavirus then but you know whatever it was at the time I just got a regular flu and, um, you know, I, I just started getting, you know, feeling ill. It was like, I have forgotten how to, you know, it was the first time I'd been ill in a long time. And I was in bed. I couldn't go to work. And I just remember feeling like, oh, my God, this, it just took me back to that time somehow. Um, and then all of a sudden, it was like I couldn't get out of bed. I was so down. I was so down and out. Um, I, you know, I started, I was weepy, crying a lot. Um, the smells in my house, I couldn't deal. You know, I was like, I can't use my deodorant anymore. I, I st and it started just being a complete um, reflection of everything I went through with my hyperemesis. Those emotions started coming back, the, the physical aversions to things, the smells, the, you know, I started getting sensitive to all those things again. And I was like, I'm not pregnant. Um, I've got a flu. So why am I feeling like this? Um, it just took me back. And it was at that point that I realized, oh my God, I don't think I might be quite ready for, you know, having another child. I've been waiting for the right time with my husband. And now it's dawned on me now. It was like almost like a remember, a reminder, sorry, of, of what I went through. Um, 
and you know it's been really difficult since then because I do really want another child um but you know I I feel like the the memory of the you know the pain I went through it feels like illogical to put myself through that again when it feels like I already have everything I could ever want in my one child who's healthy happy why am I going through the risk of everything again why am I messing up this beautiful picture um but I don't know it's 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 one that I'm constantly battling with um and I think that you know I read one woman who went through it she said you know she calls having her kids her dark tunnel days so she knows that whilst life might be great there's gonna be a period of time where these are her dark days we all have dark days we all have dark periods in our lives, you know, and it's almost, it almost felt like a, this is your cross to bear situation. And I don't know, in a bizarre way, I guess that kind of makes frames your mind or prepares you mentally. Um, I, you know, there's a lot of people that say, pray, you know, pray on it, you know, um, you know, it might not be the case this time around, but um, you have to be aware of the facts. 86% of women, um, or there's an 86% return rate of hyperemesis. That is an extremely high percentage return rate. Mm -hmm. It's the same way with um, um, PPD, um, postpartum depression. It's a 50% return rate. So, you know, we must, as women, be aware of these statistics before we make decisions. Of course, prayer is important. Yeah. Um, I believe in prayer. But... Um, do I believe that I'm going to be exempt even if I do pray? No. So I need to be aware of my options um, before I make the decision. I cannot make the decision like any other woman. I cannot make the decision six months after I've popped out a baby. It's just not the, the rational way to decide on these things when you have such a serious condition. So yeah, that's, that's it really. I hope that kind of answers things. Oh, it does. It does. Thank you. Um, um, thank you again for sharing about um, your your experience with hyperemesis. Um, I'm not sure that a lot of um, African women <laughs> know mm -hmm. this term. Um, at least, I mean, hey, look at me. I, I've lived in the States for, what, 20-something years, and I only just heard about it um, a couple of years ago. Um, and my my concern here now is, if even in you know the developed countries, the Western countries, um, it's it's not being taken seriously by a lot of health professionals, a lot a lot of doctors, then how does a woman back home in Africa who's throwing up, you know, mm. 10, 20, 30 times a day, like how is she supposed to, um, how she's supposed to manage? How does she? get this diagnosis how does she get access to medicine like and yeah. for me it's just like how do we um spread awareness so that it's not just they well it's people in you know in the diaspora mm -hmm. that know about it. it only happens to people in diaspora but i'm pretty sure it happens in back home oh my god it happens at a really high and you know prevalent rate and you're right the fact that there's so much you know misdiagnosis and there is no diagnosis in some cases at all 
Um, you can imagine the level of stigma, you know, from this sort of thing. I told you that, you know, somebody, you know, who I know, who I would have thought that, you know, maybe her family would have been a bit more exposed. They made some very ignorant comments about the condition, you know, claiming she might be a witch. It sounded extremely far-fetched to me coming from a family that I would have assumed would have been more exposed than to say something like that. And I don't mean to sound, um, you know, like I'm looking down on, on anybody or anything like that. I guess what I'm just trying to explain is that, you know, you would hope that, you know, you can be um, enlightened on a situation without brandishing somebody as a witch, you know. So that's kind of what was going on. And so you can imagine if with that mentality, how that might be happening in you know in more of our grassroots communities where there isn't that much awareness on pregnancy conditions overall or even you know women's issues or gynae issues or maternal um issues overall now what i have these my um bumps and babies lagos events when mm -hmm. i'm in lagos i try to kind of get you know the community of first-time moms come together we meet um you know and you know we have speakers that talk to us about different issues and i always try to engage you know sort of specialists to come so at the last event we had um, a doctor from um, um a, a, a hospital based in lagos south shore lagos dr alabi shout out to dr alabi um i mentioned in the event about the condition i asked this very question how are they um as um a healthcare kind of you know, service, how are they extending, you know, this awareness of this condition to grassroots or other kind of government hospitals? Because I think they all do support each other. They do have support networks. Are they doing things to ensure that women, you know, who are not in a privileged enough position to be getting the right diagnosis and tackling this issue the proper way, they don't have the access to the right medication? How are they, you know, how are they coping and what are they doing as healthcare pro professionals to support those people? So Dr. Alabi did mention that they give their um, healthcare providers trainings. They, you know, support through various outreach, you know, programs. But of course, as with everything, there is more that needs to be done, especially with this issue of hyperemesis itself. Mm -hmm. There isn't enough awareness on it at all, even in the Western world. So, you know, we need to have more awareness of it on a level of everybody even us as moms it's not just a you know those that suffer hyperemesis that just i think that's another thing about our mom communities and why mommy are you like podcasts like this are so great you're bringing in the stories of everybody and you know every mother has a story and we need to be aware of everybody's story because it could be any of us it could be any of um, our kids it could be anybody within our networks that might be going through any of these things so that awareness alone it could be our house help that might be going through through it and mm -hmm. then we'll be able to identify and support them that way and bring education that way so you know what i mean it actually starts from all of us it starts from us and of course our healthcare providers as well we should be challenging them with those questions how are you helping other healthcare professionals that are dealing directly with grassroots communities to engage them on these issues the way you would be helping others in other you know what i mean demographics so it's um it's one we just have to keep talking about it's why podcasts like this are important and yeah i, I just hope there's more awareness of the issue thank you thank you thank you for that um what would you say to the woman who is currently um suffering through um hyperemesis who feels very, because a lot of uh, the sufferers feel very isolated, feel very alone and depressed. So what would you say to the woman who's listening, who thinks she may have it or 
does indeed um, have it, what would you say to her? I would say, believe your symptoms, believe yourself. Um, women, I feel like the levels of imposter syndrome and the levels of feeling like, are we even sure of ourselves? We doubt ourselves a lot, even when we are sick, even when we are the point of, we feel like death. We might still be doubting ourselves and thinking, is this real? Am I imagining this? Is this, you know, am I sure? Especially if you might be having people around you telling you that it's not as bad as you think or whatever, you too might start believing that. No, believe your body, believe yourself. If you can't get up and go to work, you just can't do it. You can't kill yourself. You have to take the time to rest and you have to believe yourself, believe your body, believe your symptoms and don't let the outside world make you feel like you're crazy or this isn't real, this isn't happening. It is real, it is happening. One of the things I was obsessed with and I know a lot of um, hyperemic sufferers were too was counting down the days, looking each day thinking, oh my gosh, you know, tomorrow maybe I'll be better. Tomorrow maybe I'll be better. It was like the you know, like if you imagine you're drawing um, those lines on the door, you know, crossing off each time you reach five, you know, it's like, that's kind of the feeling, you know, the days do go by, they are slow, they are bitter, I feel that pain with you, I feel that pain with you right now, but I've come out of the other side, so I can tell you that there is hope at the other side, but that's not to say that, you know, you shouldn't be asking the right questions with your healthcare provi providers, does it look feasible? Do you think you can manage this pregnancy with the right medica medication? Do you have that level of support? You know, be real with yourself, you know, and silence the noise, the doubters, and be real with yourself. This is the time you need to, to be your biggest advocate because you might not have people around you that, that, that are advocating for you. You need to believe yourself. You need to step up for yourself. That's what I would say, you know, right now. I hope that's helpful. Sounds a bit aggressive when all they want to do is sleep, but, you know. Well, they can <laughs> and do everything that they can to, 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 to put themselves um, first. And it's very important here. Yes, it is very important for us as women to advocate for ourselves. Yes. Nobody can tell you what you're feeling. You know what you're feeling. And you, we need to empower each other to stand firm and say, you know, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. And if you have a doctor that's just not willing to listen to you, find mm -hmm. another one yes find another one if it's possible find another one because mm -hmm. listen, you cannot, like Timmy said you cannot come and go and kill yourself please you can't you yeah. cannot you know. but thank you very much Timmy for um, talking about this very openly for sharing about it on your platforms please can you let everybody know on, um, where we can find you online yes you can find me on my Instagram page first time mum dot com and it's first time mum as an m-u-m first time mum dot com yeah that's where you can find me on instagram at the moment um yeah and you know i hope you you know you engage and follow and join the community and tell us also we can find the sleep training the baby sleep training as well well yes yeah, so so actually i'm actually currently in the process of rebranding my whole sleep training business so okay. if you want to and i actually i don't really like calling it sleep training because i don't i don't really like feeling like i'm training anybody's child to do anything i'm more 
the coaching. So I feel like I'm guiding, you know, a, a parent on some plans and solutions, you know, for your child's sleep. So it's a, it's a joint effort. So I like to say kind of coach. I like to say we're sleep, sleep coach. I prefer that term. But anyway, I'm in the process of rebranding that. If you have any difficulty with sleep at the moment and you do want to talk about it, you can reach me on firsttimemom.com. You can DM me or you can email me on my private email. Um, I should, do I say that or should I... you'll link it down yes exactly so um you know you guys can reach me on my email for now but once that rebrand is in process and it's going to be coming about really soon um yeah i'm actually going to just you know go out and throw out the name now why not why not you have the exclusive on the name barry should i just go for it first time mom sleeps the first time mom sleeps do you get it Ah, yes yes we all need to sleep please (laughs) i love it thank you good okay good okay well yeah so hopefully yeah that will come around soon mm-hmm. i do need to ask you something yeah is firsttimemom.com do you have a website yeah uh, well no first time mom, yes i do i do have a website i do have a website on firsttimemom.com it's it's not it's not in use because at the moment i am still trying to work out um how you know the value of blog. I'm still getting used to this. Okay. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit. I know it might sound a little sloppy. I'm a bit, you know, what are you doing? You know, guys, I'm new to this whole blogging world. I'm trying to, you know, get to understand the different platforms, how I can stretch myself. So I do have the domain name. I have the rights to the first time mom.com domain names. I've got that. It's just a case of taking the next step to know what I'm using with it. But in terms of my baby sleep, I do have a website. Um, and I, I think I'm going to let you link that very down. Okay. So that people, people can refer to it um, if they want to see. But with firsttimemom.com, not a website yet. But I have my Instagram, which is live and popping. It is popping. Like Thank you. every time, yeah. I'm just like crap. Like, how does she do this? Like, oh she, come on, don't even oh, stop, Mary. No, I'm not kidding. kidding. I'm not kidding. Before, before we had this conversation, right? Before we had this conversation, um, I think maybe it was yesterday. I sat and you know, I, I really just sit down sometimes and just think about. Um, the people that I follow and I was just like, you know, Timmy does such an awesome job with her first time mom.com um, handle. She does such an awesome job of, um, you know, creating engaging posts and educational posts and inspiring posts. And I was just like, I want to do that. So I just don't know how, but like, she- God, are you kidding me, Barry? Your posts are like, literally, I live for your posts. I love your posts and your openness and you're like mothering honestly. And I just, I just, I just love it. I love it. So don't even say, I mean, you know, you know what? This whole thing is all of us just posting our different bits. And you know, the thing is, I'm also trying not to be in that like bracket. So I still don't really see myself as like, influence i don't really like that influencer you know um term it feels like negative it shouldn't be but i just want to express my um interests and share that with other people i try to just look at it as a passion project which i which i like to look at it as that's how i call it because it's just what i'm passionate about i might not have this much passion in other things and anything i feel like i'm interested in right now you know we all have our, our worries about content and you know who's doing well and are we doing as well and could we be doing more but you know, it's not a competition. It's not a. It's it's the end. It should be a, a, a platform for inspiration. Those who you can see doing well, 
support and say, you know, this is valuable information. You know, guys, come and see this. It's not a competition, it's a collaboration because at the end of the day, we need each other. Yeah. I need you, Barry. You know what I mean? I need you. I need, you I need mommy. I need mommy or yo-yo. I need all my other mommy bloggers and friends and mom communities. We need each other for advice. I, yeah. I, I mean, how else do we know half the stuff we, we know? Exactly. You know I, mean? I, I would never have heard about I don't think if I didn't see it on your platform. So absolutely, yeah, that's that's how it is. So thank you so much, though, for talking to us about your experience with hyperemesis. And if to anyone who's listening, if you are in that, if you are in the same boat, um, I'm pretty sure that um, Timmy would be happy and willing to chat with you. Just send her um, a DM, send her a message. Um, I'll link. firsttimemom.com i'll link first time mom sleeps as yes. well um and i'll link to the film that Tammy pointed out and also you pointed out um privately the there's an instagram page for african well sorry black and african women that have hyperemesis right yes yes there is um she, so it's run Oh my gosh, I can't remember her name right now. She's a lo- lovely lady in the mom community. She has um, hyperemesis as well. And she's actually written a book called, I think it's H.G. Bame, something like that. I, I'll, I will get you the right name, Barry, so you can link that down. Because I think I haven't read it yet or anything, so I can't really give a review of it. But I thought it was a brilliant initiative. So she took the step to be that representation, that voice. So um, I will link that as well in case, you know, you wanted to see from an african woman's perspective yeah, i want i want us to be able to find more resources and yes. get more awareness about about the condition so thank you very much again thank you for being on the podcast love you you're doing love you loads. <laughs> you are too you are a daily joy and inspiration keep this energy going keep going barry we need your content we need your energy your positivity we need the jokes, the laugh. I need to keep seeing Coco just be so cute. You know, my our kids are literally the same age. So yeah, it's just yeah. lovely. I love seeing the girl side of it. You know, she's like doing the little designer clothes on her dollies and yeah. the little kind of be like mommy. It's it's cute. My son is doing the opposite, just breaking everything. But you know, <laughs> let's see. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you again. And uh, it's been a wonderful time talking to you. Hugs to Cash. Cash is so cute. Nice. Thank you. And you guys need to follow, sorry, you guys need to really follow firsttimemom.com. You really have to follow it. Not just, you know, to talk about, to hear about hyperemesis. She talks about everything. There's educational bits, there's um, play bits, there's parenting, there's emotional, um, there's everything, everything. You don't need to follow. Thank you again. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh i look forward to more um collaborations with you in the future absolutely absolutely thank you for having me thank you for listening to this episode of the mommy oyoyo podcast out of everything you could be doing you chose to spend the time with me and i am truly grateful please follow us on social media at mommy oyoyo which is m-o-m-m-y-o-y-o-y-o We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Feel free to send us feedback and suggestions that way or via our email at mommyoyoyo at gmail.com. Also, subscribe to the Mommy Oyoyo podcast on your favorite podcast players. Rate and review the podcast. And finally, don't keep this goodness to yourself. Share the Mommy Oyoyo podcast with your friends, your family, your coworkers, and more. The Mommy Oyoyo podcast. 
sharing experiences of African motherhood. Mommy, oh yo yo, mommy, oh yo yo, mommy, oh yo yo. See you next time.